Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Everybody here has a belief system. Did you know that? I'm not sure. Listen, I'm not going to hide behind the, the time change because everybody knows it happens twice a year. And, and last year, a gentleman walked up to me and said, I am so sorry. I missed church. You know, he came to the second service. He said, I, I overslept. I forgot to set my clock ahead. And I told him, I said, you have a cell phone? He said, yes. And I said, you understand that lying is a sin. And... Uh, um, and not kidding you, I couldn't believe that Reed tried to push that by me. Uh, <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, folks, is, is if you oversleep, it's because you wanted to. Because phones, I don't know if you know this or not, it's called technology. It automatically moves forward. So if you set your clock to get up at 6.30, it'll be 6.30 in reference to the change of the time. Okay, so uh, uh, the people that are not here this morning, what now here's the other one that's interesting to me is, will they come to the second service? As if somehow I cannot go to church because it's not the first service. And the second one's different. And I don't know if they've learned, but we move the chairs around. And, and um, but it's the same people. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I'm glad that you're here, but everybody here has a belief system. And that belief system affects your life and everybody else's around you. That is a fact of life. The question is, what do you believe and why do you believe it? I'll say it again. What do you believe and why? Or why do you believe what you believe? Because your beliefs has everything to do with the future of your life, the present, if you will, of the life, and the past and how you've dealt with it. That's why we're doing this series now right on through Easter. Uh, I'm so excited about it. Let me help you with it. You've probably never heard of the name Saeed Qutam. Anybody heard of him? Did you know that your life has been radically affected by him? Saeed Qutum. He had a profound impact on my life, on your life, on the world's lives. Even though he's been dead for 57 years. Let me help you with this. You see, Saeed was an Egyptian radical. Read many of the same books that Hitler read, developed a worldview of hatred. His ideas were so dangerous, in 1954, he was put in prison by the Egyptian government. And in 1966, because of his worldview, he was executed by that same government. I was one year old. But Saeed had a brother. His name was Muhammad. He took his brother's worldview back to his home country, Saudi Arabia. And there he began to teach that view in the university. And again, you've never heard of Saeed. You've never heard of Muhammad. But I'm pretty sure you heard of Muhammad's prize pupil. 
Osama bin Laden. And our world's never been the same. A man who's been gone 57 years. None have ever heard of him. And yet our world was dramatically, completely, and forever changed because of him. And believe it or not, our world's been changed because of you. It's been changed because of me. Even if you want to push it aside and say that it hasn't, that's a disclaimer. It's not true. It's not reality. And that therein lies a belief system by which you choose to live in the ignorance of that. Every day you get up, you have an authority by which you govern your world. And you influence others to do the same. Hence, when you hold on to bitterness, when you hold on to unforgiveness, you pass that on to the next generation and that generation grows up feeling the same. The conversations that you have about other people when they're not present influences the other people that are. And your worldview tells them this is okay. How you use social media is a worldview that influences the generations to come. That's why I don't say this to put anybody on the defense. But every generation is influencing the next generation. And until we stop and take a look, nothing changes for the better. We just keep passing it on. And every one of those things that we pass on is a worldview and a belief that we have. It's just a fact. And I hear it over and over again. Here, here's what's interesting, just to throw this out there. I share with you that Sai was, uh, uh, actually he was hung by the Egyptian government. And that happened, and I share with you, 57 years ago. But he studied in this country, did you know that? For two years. Sai came to America in the 50s, early parts, and studied in this country. Three different universities, Wilson Teachers College in Washington, D.C., Colorado State University in Greeley, Colorado, and Stanford University. After two years of being here, watch this. From the outside, a man comes in, and this is when the beginning of his worldview began to influence not only his life, and then he became radical and he needed to influence others. It was watching the Americans. Here's what he concluded. And this is back in the early 50s. Here's what he concluded. Americans are numb to their faith and religion, their belief in art, and all of their spiritual values. That was his conclusion. In short, they talk about God. He doesn't mean anything. And this is back in the 1950s. Which, by the way, our worldviews then influenced him. It's a bottom line why we're doing this series. Because your beliefs, my beliefs, have tremendous eternal life-changing power. And even if you think your beliefs are not a big deal, they are. They're an enormous deal. I could go on and on. 
But you might want to write this down. Belief influence influences behavior. Write that down. Everybody's looking at me. You're not writing. Okay? Write it down. Belief influences behavior. Beliefs influence behaviors. So we're going to cover for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about why does it matter what I believe? We're going to talk about that today. Next week, we're going to talk about how do I know it's true? How do I know it's true? Perfectly, if you want my opinion, that should be a short message. Because a lot of people love to use that to excuse their very lives. But we're going to talk about, okay, how do we know what's true? Then we're going to talk about where did we come from? Where did we come from? Then we're going to talk about how did the world get so messed up? On Easter, we're going to talk about what's the solution. And the following week, we're going to talk about how should I live these beliefs in the world today? So what is a worldview? Let me help you with it. Because it's a word that people kind of get mistaken or it becomes a big word. But I'm going to help you with it in a real simplistic way. Here's what a worldview is. It's your belief system that you build your life on. And everybody is building their life on a belief system. Your life is nothing more but your beliefs. It's not an accident. Everything we do is a belief system. And what saddens me is when we put ourselves in first, our want, our pleasure, we then start taking God's word to justify it, to support our belief. And that becomes an unbelievable cascade of real issues and real problems. Because we start compromising on the word to justify our own wants. And it's happening over and over. I'm going to share with you some startling things about this country here in a moment. But the fact of the matter is, folks, here's what a world belief is. Your beliefs of how you, this is your worldview. It's how you view life. It's how you view God. A worldview is how you view yourself, how you view others, how you view Satan, how you view death, the past, the present, the future. It includes what we feel about pain and suffering, about good and evil. When you think about relationships, when you think about time, when you think about money, all of that influences your life. Everything in your life, that's your worldview. And you have one, I have one. Everybody in the world has one. I don't know if you remember Forrest Gump. He made this statement, profound, right? Life is like a box of chocolates. Yep. You never know what you get till you open it up, right? That's a worldview. Everybody look up here. It's a stupid one, but it's a worldview. Just being honest, life ain't a box of chocolates. You don't have to open the box and see what you get on the inside. God made it very clear what's already on the inside. But that's a worldview. I see life as a party. I see life as a contest. I see life as a race. I see life as a circus. All of those are worldviews. And they determine how you live, how you love, how you do everything. Why we're doing this Series because we all have a belief system and your belief system is influencing your life. It's influencing your family's life and it's influencing generations to come. Our country is right where our belief systems have been. Absolutely. 
hands down. As the old adage goes, garbage in, God in, just a fact of life. It's crazy, it's as simple as that. So let me give you seven, there's many, many worldviews. Let me give you seven, if you will, of the most common. You might want to write these down. Okay, here's the first one. Materialism, which is a huge worldview right now. And there's many in this room that probably have this worldview. You just don't label it that way because it just sounds so wrong, right? But yet you constantly check to see how your money's doing. You're constantly looking to see if you'll have enough. You're looking over the fence. You drive by stuff. That's materialism. As if somehow life is all about the acquisition of things. That somehow life, liberty is found in the purchase of happiness. Thus, if I have, I'll be happy. Man with the most toys wins, right? But for me, here's what I've discovered. Man with the most toys pays a whole lot more insurance than I do and still dies. See, here's the problem. Your net worth and your self-worth are never the same thing. Your net worth and your self-worth are never the same thing. I know a lot of people who have and still have nothing. I know a lot of people who have a lot and I wouldn't want any part of their life. Because it's not true. Did you know, though, there are estimated in this country, there are estimated 45,000 storage facilities across this nation. And new construction of them has more than tripled over the past five years. Storage units. And you know what we pay for those each year? This country, $38 billion a year. And we sit around and go, I just can't afford to give God. Sell the crap you're never going to look at. Why are we holding on to it? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, are we willing to ask the question? Why are we so protective? Why are we exhausting so much? You know what we could do in the present for an eternal difference? It'd be crazy. But Jesus challenged this, folks. Look at what the Bible says. Beware. He says, what? Beware. Beware. Oh, come on. Do we, do we, how many, do we care what Jesus says? Okay. All right. There's two of you. Anyway. All right. Jesus challenged. What did he say? Jesus said this. You know what the church is all about? We call Christianity the center figure. Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, every kind of it. For life is not measured by how much you own. It's not measured. You lose it all. I don't know if you know, if you die today, you realize that when they put you in that little suit with a little tie or a nice dress, put the earrings on, okay, and you lay in the casket and everybody goes, oh, you look so beautiful. All right. You understand that that's not going with you to heaven. You understand when you get to heaven and stand for God, you're buck naked. There's nothing on. 
No, nothing. As you came in the world, that's what will stand for God. And he's going to go, so tell me about your life. How did you use it for me? That's it. You'll have all that you'll have. What he gave you when you were born, you. And you answer for you. Best gift he gave us. Happens all the time. Here's number two, meism. Or another name for it would be narcissism or individualism, which is huge in our world. It's why for the last four decades, we've been called the me generation. For the last 40 years, America has been known as the me generation. Have it your way. We do it all for you. Obey your thirst. You deserve it. But can I tell you what the Bible says? Life does not come by serving yourself. Life is only found when you start serving God and serving others. And Jesus challenged this. Look what Jesus said. If you try to keep life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give your life away for me, you will find true life. You'll find the real deal. Here's another one. Hedonism. This is the worldview that everything is dependent on how I feel. Everybody look up here. I, I want to say something to that. Feelings. Whoa, 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 whoa. Feelings. It's crazy, isn't it? I hear it all the time. Oh, it feels, feels so good. How can it be so wrong? Everybody look up here. It is it is. If you go to Ecclesiastes chapter two, I just invite you to go there. You go to Ecclesiastes chapter four and you begin reading in verse four and you conclude in verse 11 in eight verses, you will find 24 times I, me, myself, 24 times in eight verses, me, 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 me. And you know what Solomon concludes with? It's all worthless. It's all vanity. That's not what it's about. And so Solomon wrote in Proverbs 21, the pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied, never satisfied, never satisfied, never satisfied. By the way, you might've heard of Hugh Hefner, you know, the founder of Playboy. Okay. I don't know if you're shocking with this, he's dead. Okay. Which happens to all of us. He absolutely claimed, he said, I am a hedonist. It's all about pleasure. That's what he was about. Here's number four, pragmatism. In other words, what's in the best interest of me? It's like the guy who fell off a five-story building, passed each floor on the way down. People inside heard him say, so far, so good but he's dead. It's not so far so good. How many times we read, there's a way that seems right for a man, but the end is always death. How many times have we read that and said that over and over? Every way you think is right, death. Every idea you have, death. Everything you think you're bettering something, death. There's a way that seems right to a man. The end is always death. And yet we keep trusting ourselves. And why are we doing that? Because we don't really trust God. There's a way that seems right. It's not going to work. 
Which brings me to number five, atheism, which says there is no God. Tons of people are saying that right now, which means life as we know it is of a random chance. Bang! That's life. No grand creator, no great design, everything is just an accident. What I don't understand is that an atheist should never be angry when they drive. They should be never upset or hurt if their spouse cheats on them. If their kids never obey, they it just makes no it just makes no sense to me. Everything's a random chance. It just happened. I, you, you shouldn't even have an opinion. See, it, it makes no sense. Two and two does not equal here. See, this is a very real, a very significant issue because I think it's hypocrisy. If life was nothing but a mere accident, then nothing really matters, right? I mean, come on. If life is an accident, you don't matter because you weren't a purpose. You don't have a plan. It's just random, bang. Here's the serious issue. If atheism is for real, then it would sort of make any grieving, painful reality hypocritical. Best friend hit, gets hit by a bus. Okay. You're no different than an animal. You shoot Bambi with the little ones, and you know what the little ones do? They run away and keep eating and grow up and grow horns, and someone shoots them. Atheism, it doesn't make sense. No wonder the Bible said this, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart. How about humanism? Which fundamentally is the worship of self. I am the master of my own fate. I am the determiner of my own destiny. I am in charge. This is why there's so many self-help books being sold all the time, people. I gotta improve self. You can't. It's ironic to me that God wired us to worship something and yet so many would rather worship something God created than the creator themselves. Which is sort of humorous for me that God called the sheep and yet we keep talking about and looking up to goats. Have you ever noticed that? Who's the goat? All of us people, according to the Bible. Until we get saved, then we're called sheep. I think it's funny. We're talking about the greatest of all time. I already know the answer, Jesus. I mean, I, you know, who's the greatest of all time? Jesus. Hello, Bible says so. Okay, all right. Well, is it LeBron, James, or Michael Jordan? Shoot them both and see if either one rises from the dead. Okay, it's Jesus, all right? I mean, it's real simple to figure it out. But we get lost in it, people. We get lost in it. Notice what the Bible says in Romans. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they worship creative things rather than the creator. You should read Romans 1. But here's the final one. Now, there's many other ones, but I just wanted to give you six. But there's a seventh one that I want to talk about. It's called theism. And this is the only one that to me personally matters. 
and why I do what I do. The word theism comes from the word theos, which is the Greek word for God. And the Bible says this, that God, this God, theos, created us not only for a purpose, but he created everybody with a purpose. I love that. He created us all for a purpose and with a purpose. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 1. For everything, absolutely everything. What? How? What? Everything. everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in God, him, and finds its purpose in him. And let me give you two common myths, okay, of what we believe. Let me, let me give you two common myths. One's called the sincerity myth. Okay. In other words, it doesn't really matter what I believe as long as I'm sincere. Maybe you've heard of it. It comes in a lot of different ways. Here's a problem with sincerity. You and I can be sincerely wrong. Have you ever been that? Okay. You're being quiet. Let me help you with it. Like I was sincerely right that I was driving in the right direction. And I was sincerely confident that I was right when I was explaining it to my wife. And you're going to leave me hang up here, aren't you? Okay. It's like the pilot who sincerely flew in the side of a mountain because he was sincerely convinced that he was higher than the mountain was. And yet he was sincerely wrong. See, this is what I, I don't want you to miss. Truth doesn't change. When truth changes, it's not truth. Truth never changes. You ready for this? The mountain wasn't going to get lower because of a pilot's sincere belief. God created the world, not you and I. He put things in motion that are truth and they won't change regardless of what a culture thinks or what it wants to profess. Truth is truth. And it's not going to change. I have people do it to me all the time. I get letters now today from people of other churches, other places saying, Pastor, when are you going to get culturally relevant? I don't answer them because I don't want to get into a really stupid conversation. I will never be culturally relevant, people. I could care less about what the culture thinks. He wrote the word, and it works today as it did 2,000 years ago, and it'll work 2,000 years from now. This is truth, and it doesn't change. It doesn't change. I am the Lord God. I changeth not. I put it in motion. Marriage is between a man and a woman. End of subject. God made it. We're not going to talk about it. I've had people come up and say, oh, look, see, you're full of hatred and that. No, no, no. I think you are. I'm not, you're not my enemy. I'm just saying this. You have an authority. I have an authority. I'm not bad mouthing your authority. I'm just telling you, don't bad mouth mine. I'm building my life on the word of God. That's not negotiable. Regardless of what laws get passed, regardless of what comes down, all of that stuff, I have an authority by which I live by, and that's not going to change because he doesn't change, regardless of what culture says. 
And some of you in this room might go, well, I'm going to go find a different church. Of course you are. You're going to find whatever you can to support your belief system, but that's your belief system and you will answer for it for the generations to come because your worldview makes a difference. I'm just telling you what we believe and why we believe it is an important thing. I'm not here to tell you, you have to believe like I believe, but I want you to know what this church believes and want to help you with it. But in the end, you've got to answer for your life. You're not going to answer. You can get to heaven and go, well, Keith Lloyd was wrong. And God will probably say, yeah, and some things, you know, we all were right. But the word's still the word. It's not going to change people. It's not going to change. Truth is truth. Here's what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. We say that we love Jesus. Watch what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, not yours, not your opinion of it, my word, you are truly my disciple, which really kind of begs the reality of this. If you're not going to abide in my word, you're going to pick and choose what you want. You're not my disciple. Jesus said that I didn't say it. Be mad at Jesus. If you abide in my word, whose word? His word, Jesus' word, you are truly my disciple. You will know the truth then, and that truth will set you free. That's the sincerity myth. How about the situational myth? It doesn't really matter what I believe. It all depends on the circumstances, and that's the world we're in right now. All depends on my circumstances. Folks, listen, my circumstances don't define my truth. My truth tells me what to do regardless of my circumstances. And there's a big difference in that. I don't understand a man who would build his house on sand. I build it on a rock. That's God's word. Regardless when the rains come and the winds blow, it's on something that will stand. That's what Jesus said. Did you know that 62% of Americans consider themselves deeply spiritual? 62% of Americans believe they are deeply spiritual. However, in a recent study, when they took that figure and they drilled down and they asked this question, how does your spirituality affect your life from day to day? And what they discovered, it didn't. 24% said, of the 62%, look how quickly it diminished. 24% said they make their moral choices based on what feels comfortable in the moment. And only 16% of the deeply spiritual people, only 16% said they make a moral decision based on the word of God. No wonder we're in trouble. So I'm going to give you three reasons why we're doing this series and offering, okay? And offering the classes that we do. Because a recent study by Barna stated that our nation's problems right now are directly attributed to the absence of a biblical worldview. And you know what they discovered? 4% of adults in this country have a biblical worldview. But here's the most shocking one. Of those who claim to be followers of Jesus, only 9% have a biblical worldview. Only 9%. So here, here's why we're doing this series, because the Bible shapes my life. Say that with me. The Bible shapes my life. By the way, did you know everything shapes your life? But the Bible will really shape it for good. This is why Solomon wrote this. Be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You don't start with the outside. You start with the inside. 
Thus, you start with your thought life. You put the God stuff in, getting to know, understanding the word of God. People tell me all the time, well, I don't get the word of God. We're offering classes to help you understand the word of God. Because when you sow a thought, you reap an action. When you reap an action, you reap a habit. When you sow a habit, you reap a character. When you sow a character, you get your life. Here's number two, why we're doing this series. A faulty worldview will cause all kinds of problems unnecessarily. A faulty worldview will cause all kinds of problems unnecessarily. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 29. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If you're not seeing God, you just stumble through your life. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are what? Come on, church. They are what? They're blessed. This is why meeting Jesus is our vision. We just want people to meet Jesus. Because if you don't have a revelation with God, you're going to stumble through life. It's the bottom line. Everybody needs an author to live by, and everybody has one. Everybody needs one. That's why I always say, Yahweh or your way. And they both have fruit. Here, here's my question. Is God in his word your authority? And if you're quick to answer that, ask this. Would God say that about you? Would God say that my word and I, I'm their authority in their life? Write this down. God's purpose eliminates man problems. God's purpose eliminates man problems. Here's number three, why we're doing this series. A godly worldview creates hope for others. Creates hope for others. Folks, I'm a living, breathing example of that. Because I love Jesus and we're willing to, I don't always get it right, but I'm willing to teach Jesus. The ripple effects are crazy amazing and lives have been changed. The power of God's word. A godly worldview creates hope for others. First Peter 3 says, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you. Always, always, always. But do it courteously and respectfully. Our world desperately needs people of God who can explain to them why they believe what they believe. And that's why I'm doing this series. I want to help you with it. So here's what I'm going to do. This is going to be real quick. I'm going to give you three things of how you can grow and develop your worldview. Now, now these are going to be quick and, and, and we're going to, we're going to do something different every week for this series. And you've probably already noticed, we probably already noticed we didn't start with music. Okay. Because this series to me is the message is going to set up our response. I fear that when I get done preaching, you're going to run to the door. That's your choice. It says something worldview. Okay. But I'm inviting you to respond in music, in worship, whether you sing or not. But how we respond to a message is key. And so in this series, we're going to preach first and we're going to respond in a time to really pray and worship and thank God. But if you really want to grow and develop a worldview, you don't have to, you've got one already. You got to decide if you like where it's going. But I want to help you real quick of how you can do that. Three simple steps. Here's the first one. If you're serious about a biblical worldview, then today you need to say, I need to learn God's truth. You do. Because it won't grow on you by osmosis, okay? It's why we're doing the classes. 
In this fall, I hope everybody in this church takes the Old Testament. Everybody who's gone through it says, I get it now. I get it now. That's what they say. This isn't a hard book to read. I get it. It's been wild what God has done through it. We just finished the Apostle Paul and understanding Paul's letters, you'd have to understand Paul. And it was life changing for so, so many. The Bible says this, learn the truth and never reject it. Learn the truth, get wisdom, self-control and understanding. Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and powerful. Second Timothy says it is inspired of God. It is inspired of God and it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It will correct us when we are wrong and it will teach us to do what is right. The power of God's word. I could quote verse after verse after verse. The power of it. If we're going to be God's people, then we have to take the first step and we have to learn God's truth to build a strong, powerful, biblical worldview. I've said it many times and we'll say it again. If you read God's word once a week, it won't touch your life, won't even change it. If you do it twice a week, it won't change your life. If you do it three times a week, it won't change your life. I think there's a reason why God made it seven days. Because if it was eight, it'd be right down the middle. He doesn't. But when you read it four times a week, the results are profound. In all the studies, the results are profound. The power of God's word. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, that's the key, is like a wise man who built his house on a solid rock. Here's the second step. You learn the truth, but you gotta turn from the world. You gotta shed your worldly ways. Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer. Note the change, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We learn the truth, but I've got to shed the world. I've got to shed the world. Kay and I are going through it like you can't believe right now and things in our lives that we just don't think is important. Things we're selling, things we're getting rid of. I'm so fearful even telling you some of that because I'm not trying to imply you have to do the same. But I'm looking at my life saying, where am I investing as I, as I look to the future? What am I wasting it on? And what am I focusing on? And what does it tell the world really matters? Here's what the Bible says. When we're no longer conformed, that we turn from the world, the Bible says you will then be able to know the will of God, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? And it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect, but you're going to have to turn. The paraphrase translation reads it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops you into a well-formed, mature person. I don't want the world to say you're mature because maturity in this world to me is immaturity in God's. I, I know I'm not going to spend forever here. I want to learn what it means to spend forever with him and be mature there. Not everybody's going to heaven, folks. Only those who do the will of God. That's what Jesus said. And you and I have the same choices that everybody else has. 
Am I going to get my advice from God's word or am I going to get my advice from the world? Am I going to get God's truth or am I going to get man's television? Am I going to listen to the son of God or am I going to pay attention to social media? I pastor a large church, 58 years old. I have no social media anymore. If you get, if you follow me on Instagram, that's not me. My daughter Jordan said, can I keep throwing quotes out there? I said, sure. I haven't looked at it for months. I, don't, I won't even look anymore. I have no Facebook. I have no Instagram, no Twitter, nothing. It's not on my phone, anything. I never check it, never look at it, nothing. Because I think it's just garbage. And it doesn't do anything for me to grow here. It's just where I'm at. And I'm not going to take time to do this and go, you need to really love God and do all that stuff. I'm not going to do it. You go, but it encourages me. Read the word. I'd rather spend time with someone over coffee than waste it doing that. That's just me. I'm not saying it for you. It's wrong. I'm just saying we looked at it and I went, not going to do it. Because I'm pretty sure when I get to heaven, I won't be sending out videos. So I don't want to get in a pattern of something I'm not going to do forever. And I'm just doing things like that, getting rid of stuff and all that stuff, just really wanting to center myself and make a life difference. And you and I, we can all do the, the same. The Bible says a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. The wise person is hungry for truth. The fool feeds on trash. I'm going to invite the team out. Here's the third one. So you ready for this? The first thing I said was this, that we've got to learn God's truth. We've got to turn from the world and we've got to concern ourselves with God's agenda. So we learn, we turn and concern. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. Luke 12 says, God will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Notice the word primary because you can't have two primaries. You can only have one. You can't have two primaries. You can only have one. You'll either serve God or the world. Jesus said, you can't have both. Seek first the kingdom. Does anybody know the second thing Jesus said? He didn't. He just said, seek first the kingdom and all of these other things will be taken care of. Seek first. Here's the deal. What our world needs more than anything else are a people who have a God worldview. Our world desperately needs it. They know what they believe. They know why they believe it. And they love to explain it to those around them. They just love doing it. Next week, I'm going to talk about how do I know what's true? What a time to bring a friend. What a time. And let's see what God will do. Folks, can I say this? Our world is a mess. Has anybody figured it out? Okay. There's no hope. There's nothing you and I can do to fix it. There's not a program. There's not a legislation. There's nothing's going to fix it except God. We need a God movement. We need God to show up. Amen to that? We need God to desperately show up. And that requires when my people humble themselves and pray, when my people seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. 
You don't need to run to Asbury, Kentucky to go see God. The same God that's moving there wants to move here. That's why now it's not just in Asbury, it's now spread to 24 different universities. By the way, you know those weird young folk? Notice who God is using. It's happening through the college students. It's happening through the young people. That ought to encourage our hearts. So we're going to come to a moment, I pray that it would just move us in worship, is that we would maybe worship God in the sense of really desperate. I've invited Joseph. Would you lead us in prayer? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.